Hey everyone, welcome to episode 146 of the MTG Grindcast, the spikiest podcast in all of Central North Carolina. I'm Chris Kasseruppel. Joining me for the second week in a row is Lee McLeod. Hey, Lee. Hey, Chris. What's going on? Not much. Are we, I guess, are we making this a more permanent thing or what? what are well, we... yeah. I mean, <laughs> the first time you asked me to be on the show, you handed me like show notes on a napkin. It was like two topics. <laughs> this time I've got a Google document with like three pages. It's crazy. Well, we normally have serious. a Google document with several pages, but you know, the way I often handle having guests is not hitting them with a bunch of show notes because I like conversation tends to flow naturally with somebody who hasn't been forced to empty their brain onto a podcast every week for the past three years. So we don't usually have to do notes for guests, but since I made you empty your brain last week, I figured... And plus, there's a lot of stuff to keep track of. Like, holy crap. Yeah, there a lot happened this last week. It just kept coming. <laughs> and definitely part of the blame, at least for us, is on our recording schedule. We generally record the podcast on Tuesday evenings, and then Wizards generally does announcements on Wednesdays, which... You know, the Tuesday recording is good because it lets us get our episode out early in the week before weekend tournaments... But it is bad in that we're often a week late talking about big, like, OP announcements and stuff. So, you know. I mean, most weeks it doesn't matter. And you're still going to talk about bannings before the week's up. Right. So it's not that bad. Like, bans on Monday, podcast on Tuesday. But then when you have the OP changes Wednesday, big stuff on Thursday, roll back those changes Thursday, do more stuff on Friday, ban someone on Saturday, release secret layers on Monday. It's just like, hold on, wizards. (laughs) I can't. I just can't talk about all this stuff it's impossible but we're gonna we're gonna try so we got we got them all listed out well i I even forgot stuff in that opening that double masters was released too or announced yeah well it's all in the notes though that's the beauty of the google doc oh it's perfect i I like it so much less than the napkin but it's growing on me (laughs) you know we we do what we can um, before we get too into it, want to take a second to thank our patrons. Really, really appreciate your support. I have boxed up a bunch of playmats and stuff to send out uh, because I am required to go into work on Mondays and Wednesdays, so I might as well stop off at the post office on my way home tomorrow. So some people will be getting stuff, so that's nice. If you want, if you want playmats, you want some tokens, you want some pins, go ahead and sign up, and uh, you know I'll send those out to you. If you want to join our Patreon, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast. Before we hit up all of our many topics today, you want to do a quick keeper mull? Yeah, let's do the quick one Mike posted. Yeah, so our friend Mike Braverman, a just kind of savant-level Magic the Gathering player, has been playing for a long time and just has a couple of decks that he really, really gets. And one of them is Legacy Death and Taxes. And so he won the Legacy Challenge with a Yorion version of Death and Taxes. And so congrats to Mike. And he sent us this Keeper Mole versus Garuda on the draw game three. And the hand is one Caracas, one Rashad Import, four Snow Covered Plains, and a Swords to Plowshares. On the draw against Garuda. On the so... draw against Garuda. <clears throat> So, you know, Garuda is a very one-trick sort of deck. All it does is cast Garuda, and the entire rest of the deck is set up to do that as quickly as possible. And this hand actually disrupts that pretty well. If you take the Garuda off of the battlefield, the clones can't copy the Garuda. So this hand loses to Garuda if they 
naturally turn one Garuda, or if they, like, turn two, cast Garuda, and hit a real Garuda, and then go from there. But other than that, you're kind of set up to stop it from happening to you. Yeah, and their sideboard cards don't really work mm-hmm. against this hand. They're all, like, defense grids and right. mind rig trap and stuff like that. Like, really defensive tools that don't really work on the cast an instant and a Caracas right. axis. And even if they, like, Garuda, play Garuda on turn two, like Chromox or LED or whatever, however they want to do it. Mm-hmm. Play Garuda on turn two, flip over Dragonlord Colagon, which is a you know, big ace creature. You can still just Karakas it. They're never going to recast it. Right, right. You're, you're pretty insulated except for against like the top couple of percent of their draws. And I mean, you don't have any threats except for you do Yorion. have Yorion, which is honestly like fine. It's not quite the same as having a Luris sitting there, you know, just ready to like be Luris. But, you know, Taxes is one of those decks that only really needs to draw one thing. You draw a you know, a recruiter or a Stoneforge Mystic or a... I guess he probably doesn't have any Palace Jailers in post-board, but... They're... I mean, you could. Yeah. I don't know what Mike wants to do. He he always plays those decks so much better than I think can True. be played. True. <laughs> so... <laughs> right. But, you know, like, like Death and Taxes, he only needs to draw one threat to kill his Garuda opponent once he's, you know, properly locked them out. I think this is, like, exactly the disruption you want against them, and that's probably good enough honestly i don't even really know what you're mulliganing to right in this kind of matchup it just feels like you want caracas in your hand and yeah. you've got it so what else are you trying to get you know i i think i agree yeah this is not the best key- like the best keeper mole that we segment that we could do with this hand would be to have mike here but you know yeah, but we didn't think about that until five seconds ago so you gotta give us a little break you know what i'll i'll talk to him about it after we record and you know we'll, we'll have a follow-up segment on the next episode where, where we Ooh. give mike's side of the story when collins is finally back yes you, well, you let him return we'll have to have him take a look at this hand too and then then talk it over with mike's position and stuff it'll be good so we have a lot to get to today so let's let's move on to some of that obviously the big one is Wizards, you know, immediately after after we recorded the episode last week, just made sweeping organized play changes for the upcoming season in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. And so I'm just going to real quick, like, kind of go over what those changes are just for I writing them down helped me because I, like, kind of had an idea of what it was, but I hadn't quite grasped what all of the things that had happened were. So if you haven't been paying super close attention or, you know, just haven't really thought about it. So series three of the players tour is canceled. Uh, Series two is on arena. It's going to be all standard. There's going to be four flights of the like PT and each has $150,000 in prizes. The PT final still exists, but it's going to also be all online Basically, like, all of the Players Tour series are going to qualify players for that PT final. So it replaces Houston, Minneapolis, and it is the PT final for, like, this new online season thing. 
the prize pools were lowered for all of the invitationals, the arena events. They created a grand final event that, like, people who do well in the PT finals and the Mythic invitationals qualify for, and that has $250,000 in prizes. They have killed off fractional invites because they're not GPs anymore. Uh, MPL and Rivals status is frozen until, you know, next year. And the Mythic Invitational now has Historic in it. And also, I think I may have made a mistake. They may have made a new announcement and created a, a Series 3 of the Players Tour that's online. I'm not totally sure, but, but I think there may be one of those in July as well. So I'm not totally certain about that. But the upshot is basically that all of the paper events move online, which was very foreseeable, but they've also cut a massive, massive percentage of the prize pool for the upcoming tournaments. Yeah, and a lot of people were mad about that. Oh, probably rightfully so. I mean, they cut about $2 million from the $3.5 million prize pool. Yeah, that's a lot of money. It's a lot also, of money. people played for those qualification events, of which there have been, you know, just... A million. Well, yeah. A million on Magic Online. So it's one thing to say, hey, you know, future tournaments that people qualify for, we're going to have to make budget cuts. Like, and that is totally defensible. People know what they're signing up for. It's another to say, okay, sorry, people who qualify for these events, we're going to have to change things up. And then it's another, like unforeseeably worse thing to create a bunch of new qualifiers that hadn't existed before to qualify you for tournaments that they then immediately turn around and say oh sorry these tournaments are way worse than what you thought that they were gonna be and it was also just very very obvious that the things that they're qualifying for just were, were just never ever ever gonna happen yeah but i think a lot of players chose to have a level of optimism that like Wizards would figure out a way to do right by the qualifying players to like figure out substitutions that were fair or at, at, at a minimum, like allow deferrals to once paper tournaments could be a thing again. Like, okay, I qualified for a PT. There's not going to be a paper tournament until July of next year, but that's fine. I'm qualified for qualified it. For it. Yeah, I think that would have been like one of the better solutions because you're expecting you know, you play your paper PTQ or even your Moto PTQ because those mm -hmm. have always translated to paper events yeah. as well, unless you're playing in the, specifically the mocks. You're just going to be like, all right, we qualified for this. I'll be at the next paper PT. But since COVID's going on, that probably won't be, you know, for quite a while. And that's fine. You know, yeah. you know what I'm signing up for. Yeah. I mean, but they didn't realize that you wizards could just can't be control the weather. Into arena. On some level, I, I mean, on a, a lot of levels, I, I really can understand the. I'm sorry, folks, we have to do the PTs online. There's just no other way of doing it, and we have Arena as our platform, so we have to do it this way. I really, really wish that, that they would allow players to defer their invitations. Like, I can see the logic behind, like, well, but then everybody's going to defer, and then we're going to have some giant PTs, but I just the massive disparity between what players thought they were qualifying for especially when they were playing in these like we're all in this together COVID-19 let's have some fun and play some qualifiers tournaments and then you know the rug just gets pulled out from under you 
Yeah, it's really brutal. And there was, I don't remember whose tweet this was, but I saw a tweet uh, had some support where people said that first year players on the PT should be able to defer. Mm-hmm. Uh, like some, I think some Brian David Marshall retweeted this or something mm-hmm. uh, because it just kind of ruins the first PT experience that everyone gets to get. Right. If you just have to play on arena. Yeah. And I, I thought that was a really good post, but it, it just should be for everyone. You shouldn't have to limit yeah. who can defer because you're just put into this tournament that you honestly only kind of qualified for. You were qualified for a different tournament entirely. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Well, and, and yeah, and I agree. Like that that has been my feeling about the whole thing. Like, yes, it is. There's an extra level of disappointment for the players who finally got there, qualified for their first PT. Like, we're going to go get the t-shirt, like, play against the MPL and stuff and, and have the whole experience. But, and, you know, part of this is that I am friends and live with somebody who is experiencing a different side of the coin. And, you know, Zan has been trying to requalify for the Pro Tour. You know, this is not his first Pro Tour, but he has been trying so hard to qualify for it for so long and has had more near misses than, you know, anybody that I know of. Just, like, a lot of losses to go to uh, 12 and 3 at a GP or whatever. A lot of, like, losses in top 8 of PTQs that are super close. Uh, and he finally got there. twos of PTQs. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. times. Yes, lots of finals losses, for sure. And he finally got there, and it was, like, a huge deal. And he was so excited. And, like, I gave him a big hug the next, you know, because he had to play the, the PTQ late at night. But when I got up the next morning, I gave him a big hug because I was so excited that he finally gets to go back to the PT. And now the thing that he gets to play in is not that. It's one of four PTs that are going on at the same time, and the first prize is $10,000, and it just... There's not coverage, and it just it's not, like, really clear, like what it qualifies you for, like doing well in this, like these tournaments are not a path to earn points to get into the MPL or Rivals League. Like they just don't do that at all. And now, and I mean, you know, this is a little bit outside of Wizards' hands, but holy crap, the value of getting selected to be in the MPL for the first season now. I was I was gonna bring that up. Everyone had a good year in 2018 is just gold. They're right. probably gonna be in the MPL forever. I mean, yeah, just like there's no path out of the MPL for anybody who just had a good season <laughs> leading up to that first selection. Two years ago. Two years ago. Yeah. We um, all thought this was gonna be like a rotating thing when the MPL was announced. And, and then it just never did. <laughs> nope. Nope. Un unreal. And not not to begrudge any of those individual players their position, but it is like pretty pretty nutty how this has worked out. The only way the only way players have been dropped from the MPL thus far is Jerry, you know, stepping out voluntarily. Mm-hmm. And then two people is just getting banned. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's the only way people have left the MPL in two uh, years. Yeah. Well, Savitz dropped down to rivals, right? Isn't that what happened? He didn't renew his contract, and that's the oh, only other yes. one. I'm sorry. That was that's the the third way. Yeah, to be an invited player who didn't have a great interest in it and deferred. Yes. So you know, you know, reasonable system. 
just just how it should be. <laughs> Speaking of reasonable systems, can we talk about how completely awful is Arena is as a tournament program? I think we should talk about that because all of these tournaments are going to be arena based. We run arena tournaments, mm-hmm. and it is not good. No, it's like not you, built for this yet. No, there's no client setup. Like in Moto, doesn't have it either. There's no like tournament client thing, but you can make custom games in Moto and Magic Online. Well, and Watsi could run a tournament in Magic Online. Like it, like the infrastructure is there to run tournaments. They could run the PT on Magic Online and have it you know, have a tournament structure run that way. And you wouldn't have to friend request or challenge the your opponent each round, you know? like And hope they pick the same thing as you. Yeah, exactly. And you waste a bunch of time doing that. Like, you you, you wouldn't have to hack it together because there's a there are tournament modes in that client. You there's just no... join the tournament, then you're in your flight. Yeah. And then you don't need to do any of the, like, administrative stuff. But in Arena, you you do. You need to find your opponent. You need to challenge them. Arena is not particularly stable. It is hard to rejoin games if you get disconnected. Like, if your internet is a little bit shoddy, then you, like, probably are just going to, like, lose a round or two to that in this PT. You you say that it's hard to join, rejoin an Arena game after you've been disconnected? I would counter with it's impossible. I haven't done it since, like... Uh, Ravnica Legions came out. There was a period of time for me that, it, yeah, it, it, it just stopped working and you could not rejoin. I have managed to rejoin a game, a match or two since then, but it's still not good. And and if it takes you more than, like, you know, 45 seconds, you're just done. The, my, right. Magic my, Online has a 10-minute time. Not to, It's pretty obvious they would just never hold the tournaments on Magic Online when of Arena's there, and that's the product they're trying to promote. I get that. But, like, comparing it to the other tournament client that's actually stable, if you disconnect, like, because Magic Online has the same disconnect problems, you disconnect, you have 10 minutes of an activity before you lose the match. Yeah. In Arena, you have about 45 seconds before you essentially lose the game, because that's pretty much what skipping a turn is in a high-level tournament. My, my favorite time that this happened to me was, like, in the last round of a draft event, and I tried to reconnect, and then I... It tries to, and I get the, like, the the dual screen. So, I like, with my avatar and my opponent's avatar and the, you know, yeah. super jerk versus whatever. And then I can hear the game going on in the background. I can hear myself roping, and then I can hear my opponent just attacking me for lethal. But you can't see it because you're can't, still looking at the versus screen. Can't do anything about it. Just hearing myself time out of the game. Now, you know, who knows if, if any improvements to that will be made probably not i mean arena is just not really set up for this so one clear problem that they immediately responded to was that all you know people who qualified for these events don't necessarily have arena collections so the response was hey wizards can you please give us god accounts like you did for the arena events you've held already and then wizards caved and said yeah we'll do that but you know don't expect this for future events like this just to really, like, jab that dagger right in a little further. They're like, yeah, I understand. We changed all these tournaments last minute. No one participating would think they needed an arena account. Now we're forcing you to have one with a good enough complexion to compete in this high-level event. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't cost us very much except for time to make these accounts. So I guess we'll do it this time, but not the others. It's just so weird. It is really weird. I... 
Yeah, it, it is really weird. Yeah, I mean, it can't be that difficult because they have those accounts for every streamer that they invite to the, like, release, pre-release thing. Like, I can they, they have a system in place. Tell you, literally tell you how easy it is because I've done it on the back end of these things <laughs> like i <laughs> i used to work for support blizzards and right. all you have to do there's a i'm sure they have a code because you can manually give the cards to everyone mm. uh, it's really easy but it takes a lot of time but if you put a code in it just unlocks stuff on the account so sure. i'm sure there's a code for unlock everything yeah or maybe five codes for you know unlock these five sets and yeah, that's I all mean, it is you just apply it and you're and, done and honestly that would have been a really nice gesture of goodwill too is hey we know you're not getting the PC experience you signed up for. We know that it is disappointing to have an arena tournament, but you know, as a as a gesture, we're going to give every player who's qualified for this tournament X thousand gems or whatever that is enough to unlock all of standards so you can play in the tournament. Something like that. like that would have been kind of cool for them to do. But I agree, but I I just can't picture that world. I'm sorry. <laughs> oh no, no, <laughs> I'm <too> same. Jaded. <laughs> A different company slash tournament organizer, perhaps. Um, it's just mind-boggling. Arena Arena is a really good pick-up-a-game-play-some-stuff client. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't begrudge people who are making it competitive by laddering, because, you know, that's you're just playing games. It's fun. You can be competitive that way. Yeah. But it is not a tournament client. Like, you're not trying to put a bunch of money on the line. And we're going to see that this weekend next weekend with the arena open there's just this gonna be weekend, a lot of stories yeah. it's just gonna be a lot of stories of it was a day two playing for my cash and then disconnected and just we're done oh yeah right right especially because it's it's what like two losses on day two or something and you get knocked yeah. out so two losses can, you are very likely to have your back up against the wall when you're p- playing for a thousand dollars not only that and i maybe this has happened to you it's happened to me i've heard it happen to other people but occasionally, you know, the standard metagame, maybe not standard metagame, there, there's some events where you, you know, play until X number of losses, mm-hmm. like three or something. Yeah. And I've had cases where I've disconnected from a game, come back, and they're just giving me two losses instead of one. I was just like, wait, what? Oh my where God. did that other game come from? I've, I thought I was crazy the first time this happened to me. It's only happened to me once. And then I heard reports of it online. I'm like, okay, I guess this is just a thing. Jeez. So imagine that just happening in the arena open on day two. Someone disconnects yeah. for one game and they lose their tournament. Yeah, when they're still live for $2,000. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, and then the last thing that I have to talk about, you know, with like, oh man, these these arena tournaments are going to be rough. And I think David Rude brought this up first, but it's totally possible to cheat in an open deckless tournament on Magic Arena. So... Basically, Arena doesn't have any hashing system. There's no way to verify that your opponent is presenting a particular deck. So I can prepare several versions of the same deck. And each one tilted towards a particular matchup. Just by adjusting the card counts. Not by putting anything new in there, because if I play a Devout Decree post-board when I didn't register any of my sideboard, obviously my opponent's going to notice that and I'm going to get in trouble. But if I register two Devout Decrees in my sideboard and then I submit a deck against my mono-red or black-red opponent with four Devout Decrees in my sideboard, as long as I don't play a third or allow or get duress or something like that, there's no way to catch me for cheating 
by submitting a deck that is tilted for whatever matchup I'm playing. Because there's no there's no coverage, there's no spectator view, yeah. there's no nothing to like enforce this. It's right. Just do whatever you want. Hope you don't get caught. Yeah, and, and I mean you can like you can have a version of Jeskai Yorion with no deafening clarions in it. Uh, like you you register deafening clarions, but you just have one that doesn't have any in the main deck for when you're playing the mirror because you don't want it. Now you'll never draw deafening clarion. Your opponent will never know that. Well, Luca can reveal many, 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 many cards. But you can't see it. It's arena. Can you there's, not? There's no log. I've clicked the cards that uh, Luca's revealed and they expand. I don't I haven't clicked a very large Okay, pile, maybe so it's just Maybe it's just when if you miss. So like my opponent in a limited game played that uh, enchantment that when you cycle a card, uh, it's like unpredictable cycle yeah unpredictable cyclone i guess so when you cycle a card you cast one from your library of the same type um that one you know my opponent cycled a card and missed and flipped their entire deck and i will i i just didn't wasn't allowed to see any of the cards in it but maybe when you hit it it like gives you a dialogue with the cards i guess it yeah that's that's how it works if you okay. with you don't get to show anything for whatever bizarre reason. Yeah. Uh, if you do hit, there's a dialogue box. You have like 10 seconds to click it or it goes away forever and you have no way to access it. Mm-hmm. And once you click it, you have, you know, however you want, however long you want to look at it before okay. you, you know, time out eventually rope. Yeah. Uh, but you look at it and close it. So you can spot check Luka decks that way, but they have to be grossly yeah. unlucky like ancient of treachery has to be like their third luka activation or agent treachery to be a bottom card of their library or something crazy like that right and no one's gonna be if i'm just playing a match of magic I'm not yeah like, are you looking out for that specifically no my mind is not all right my opponent registered deafening clarions let's look through this luka pile and see that even though i'm losing right now does agent of treachery on the board that's stolen my permanent right we're gonna check and see if they have deafening clarions in their deck i mean and it could be anything it's like do they have the right number of shatter the skies and then post board it all gets thrown out the window and there's no way to verify so that's even yeah. that's even only for one game so because there's no really important games in the best of one scenario (laughs) yeah well that's only that that, that's only in the one uh event that you can't cheat in so i'm sorry i had to take my jab so yeah lots of lots of stuff to not love about this and i mean just to like totally understandable to say look we can't just suspend this we have to have events and we have to have them online but the way it got handled here and the way that these events ended up being just feels really player unfriendly to me and in particular the holding a huge number of additional qualifiers as and presenting it as like we're doing this so you guys have something to do while you're stuck at home we're all in this together it's just so egregious I, I, I'm really unhappy with that, and it makes me you really glad welcome. that I did not focus on playing those things. Yeah, you're welcome, guys. Here's some more $35 entry events. Go God. crazy. <laughs> Unreal. One person qualifies. Two people qualify. Two, those, I guess. yeah. They're just even worse from a qualification standpoint. Like, right. these tournaments aren't happening. Right. The, I mean, they just created a lot of slots and then put those slots into a super low-value tournament that... 
does not include a promise or a possibility of climbing through those tournaments to enter Rivals League or the MPL, which is supposed to be their 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 carrot. Like that's supposed to be like that. Look, you can do it. You can be a professional Magic player. The world will know. Like that's their thing. But like now. All these slots that qualified, like, have they don't do anything to get you towards these things that, like, obviously, Wizards has made it completely unclear how you get to them ever. But you know, I think it's pretty clear. You just had to do well in 2018. Yeah, it's very clear. <laughs> and then you're in the MPL. <laughs> like, you you're either gonna need to get a time machine or give up. I guess. Yep. I mean, yeah. Like, it, it's just not something that i view as anything close to possible even for the extremely talented and extremely committed players that i know like i just don't there's no part of me that like foresees zan being in the mpl in the next several years because it just doesn't seem like they've made it possible for anyone to do ever nope and that is Pretty sad from a wizard's perspective. <clears throat> yeah, just like what are you? What what's the goal we're supposed to be reaching for here? Like, what's the what's the draw? I just don't know anymore. It seems like the draw they're leaning on is that you just get to play magic. <laughs> yeah, and I mean we're we're dumbasses. Like, I like I I don't stop. I've been playing a bunch of arena, but I have not been. Yeah. I don't blame you. A lot of people have not been. So the problem with me personally, and I don't know how many people this will resonate with, but I I really like Magic. I love Magic. Mm-hmm. It's such a good game. But I just don't really care about organized play. I never really have. Sure. I kind of lucked into qualifying for Nationals one time. Mm-hmm. And I just really liked tournaments because I got to go places and see people play Paper Magic. That's what I really dig. I love Paper Magic. It's yeah. so good. Oh, yeah. And I just can't play that now. So I, I really don't like playing on Magic online on, on digital platforms. Mm-hmm. Same. Arena and Moto have their own separate issues. And I can play them because I like Magic so much. But <laughs> I just... It's that's kind of a chore, to be yeah. honest. The only thing, and especially with all the constructive formats, like not super fun right now. Um, the only thing that I have been playing is I've been playing quite a bit of Acoria Limited on Arena. It it is pretty fun. The one flaw with the format is like the cycling deck, but that has mostly self corrected. It seems like I don't play against it that much on Arena, and I haven't been able to like get it in a while. So. Um, so. I I actually really enjoy Aquarium Limited too, but eventually that I, I got off of that train too because I didn't like uh, two things in the format. I didn't like companions, <laughs> surprise, sure. and I didn't like cycling mostly because how it sculpted kind of the optimal way to draft, mm-hmm. which is to like take low opportunity cost cyclers pretty early in case you you know get a zenith flare. Right. I mean, right. The format should probably. I mean, companions are kind of cool, and I think a lot of people do like them, so it's hard for me to say take those out of the format. But definitely the the density of one generic mana cyclers is far too high for the format to, like, totally make sense as, as, as a thing that exists. As, like, an experiment, I started building, uh, like, an Acoria 
kind of cube, like a set cube that you would draft. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of has sculpted numbers around and just to, you know, refig- refigure things, make it a little more the stuff of Corey I really like, which is the the synergies between the creatures and the combat tricks and building up your army and stuff like that. I don't <laughs> love, you know, paying a man to cycle a card from my hand and right. be of rewarded course. from it. <laughs> like, Especially I think cycling... Well, cycling when the only text of the card is this has cycling and triggers your cycling stuff, it's not the same. Like, that's not the value that cycling adds to the game, and it doesn't... It's not right. Like, the no, value I, of cycling I, I, is... I completely understand why cycling is in the set. It makes perfect sense. They did it before in Shards of Alara. Mm-hmm. When a set has this many multicolored cards, really dense, and you want to have some smoothing... Sure. Generic cycling cards just make sense. It helps smooth your draws, lets you draw. That's why land cycling was in Conflux, that sort of deal. Uh, but with Akoria, they just went too Amonkhetti with it. Mm-hmm. It just triggers all the time, all the place. And cycling cards are so cheap that it's less of a fixing mechanism and more of its own just thing. And it doesn't feel like it belongs in the rest of the set. Yeah. I, I mean, cycling is its own reward. Like, a card having the cycling text on it like is its own reward especially when that cycling cost is one and then to just have a bunch of things that are like if you jam your deck full of cycling like this card is a five star card like better than all of the mythic rares in the set then you know why why luna doesn't turn on my zenith flare you see yeah and and that's the only thing that matters and i mean part of that is also that Ikoria as a set is very synergy based and like you want all of your cards in your deck to be contributing to your synergy plan pretty much but cycling just is a weird thing to have be a synergy thing when it's independently so powerful and so like you know just a a, a good interesting mechanic when you are choosing whether to cast the card or cycle it when all of your cards are you know, I'm never going to cast this Frostvale Ambush because my mana base is six planes and five mountains, but cycling one is great. Like, okay, it stopped being an interesting mechanic and card. Look at all of these uh, boon of the wish givers I've drafted in my red-white deck. <laughs> right. And that card rules. Like, that card is oh, yeah, so card awesome is in a blue deck. Like, it's very cool. The, like, decision of whether to cycle it to smooth out your early turns versus like, but this is such a powerful card that I really want to like shape my game around casting. Like that tension is really fun, but it's just the same as a bunch of other cards in your red, white deck. Yep. And it it doesn't even matter the text of those cards, which is sad. Yeah. And that's, that's not what you want when you're designing a card. You don't want a bunch of the, the text to be meaningless. So yeah, but a lot of the stuff in the set, like, I have been having a lot of fun with, and I do keep coming back to it because I love Mutate. I think it's one of the best limited mechanics we've ever had. It's super skill-testing and and really fun. Also, the animation. That's, like, my favorite animation on Arena. The hinging up? mutated, like... Yeah, it lifts up and then slams down. I love and it. And if you have... If you're mutating your third creature and you're putting it, like, below, mm-hmm. it lifts up, and you see the one underneath it, and then you, like, sandwich in between it and smack yeah. back down. It's so good. I love it, yeah. Yeah, it That's, is very good. Is, if I were playing Paper Magic, that is how I would mutate cards. I would just lift them up, <laughs> slam them down, and, like, sandwich them. Yeah, and, and like, there's, like, a lot of cool decks in the format, too. Like, I love the Reanimator deck. The This is one of the best iterations of 
like one of the most interesting iterations of the 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 sacrifice deck that we've gotten. Um, oh yeah, sometimes you get menace stuff too. Yeah, yeah, and, and like the synergies like lock together like neat little puzzle pieces. So like a lot of cool stuff going on. Just a couple of flaws to the format, but. What that were we talking was... about before I Aquarian I don't remember. But... I, we were just talking about the <laughs> fact that we're not really playing that much Magic, and that's the only format that I'm I'm playing right now. I am watching streams to try to keep up for coverage stuff, but other than yes. that, not really playing a lot of Magic. But yeah, Aquarian Limited was not one of our many topics for today. So uh, the next one connects to the organized play changes in that about a week and a half before the official announcement of the organized play changes... Uh, Austin Bursevich, Perks Alert at HOF, MTGE HOF bot. I don't know what it yeah, is. Like, M- yeah, it is MTG HOF bot yeah. on Twitter. Um, so he was told about a number of these changes by someone in the MPL. He released that information, including specifically that the date of the upcoming online players tours and the fact that they would be all standard and on arena uh, his his stance on that was, hey, this is an unfair advantage for the MPL players to know about this. I want to release this information and get it out there for everybody. Wizards contacted him, asked him to reveal his sources, basically. He said that he would not, and then they suspended him. And of note, I believe that he is number one in ELO right now because he's been having a really good season. And so this is disrupting like a very strong magic season, which is kind of meaningless because you can't convert it into anything. But yeah, that that doesn't matter. Let's be real. (laughs) Until you have the MPL invite in your hand, you're never getting in the MPL. Right. So obviously the response to this particular... I I do want to correct one small... Oh yeah, go for it. Uh, When he was asked to reveal... Sources. He didn't just say nah. Oh yeah. He he made a joke about it and like said, okay, here you go, wizards. I want to give up my sources. Uh, th- please go easy on them. They don't deserve any rough treatment. And then he lists off a bunch of joke answers like two point one million dollars of prize money. Right, right. And organized play structure. Please rethink your stances towards these people and just treat them fairly. Yeah. So he he kind of had to get his daggers in before uh. And that's a that's pretty common. that's pretty in character for him, I would say. Yeah. I mean, like, I'm not a huge Austin Bursevich fan. He definitely has some rough edges, and you know, I probably I like I'm mostly saying this just so that everyone knows. Like, I have no bias. I have no like prior things, you know, building Austin Bursevich up in my mind. Like, generally like vendettas. Yeah, I, I don't have a vendetta either way. You know, he's not a friend of mine. But I do pretty much, like, I, I can't help but agree with the sort of general mood of Twitter and everything, which is just like, what the hell, Wizards? This is just completely ridiculous. You yeah. can't... What is banworthy here? He didn't break <laughs> any rules. No. Like... N- <laughs> He's not in the MPL because, as we've established, you can't be in the MPL if you didn't have a good year in 2018. Right. Therefore, <laughs> he's not under any contract. I don't, and I don't understand. Also, I thought about this randomly. He is banned from Magic Online, Magic Arena, and the DCI, mm-hmm. which the DCI just no longer exists. So does that ban even work? Does that count? Not clear to me. <laughs> <laughs> 
But they took away his Magic Online accounts and the Magic Arena account, mm-hmm. which they had never done to pretty much anyone. Like, if people got banned, they just got to keep all their stuff. They just never got uh, all their stuff taken away. The only exception I can think of off the top of my head is Jeremy Hambly, who mm-hmm. got, like, destroyed because he was a propaganda nightmare for them. Well, he's also a Nazi so you well, know yeah yeah well <laughs> there's <laughs> a tapestry of things going on there but when burton cheney was banned he got to keep all his stuff uh you know all the times he was banned except for maybe the last one i'm not clear on that mm-hmm. when uh, i know there was a uh, a guy who did well at a couple top he top a pro tour i believe and he got banned for it was a fabrizio i think sure yeah yeah he, he got banned for some shady stuff i don't remember exactly what it was but he got to keep all his Moto stuff. He grinded a bunch on Moto mm-hmm. uh, during his DCI ban. But for this person, Bursevich, who committed no crimes, not really, there's no rule against any of the things he did, just gets everything taken away from him, just makes no sense. Well, if you are, I mean, at this point, if somebody goes on social media and does something that is suspension worthy, the only way to effectuate that suspension is to take away their ability to play digital magic because that's the only magic that exists. So if somebody goes onto Twitter and like comes, you know, comes forward as an out and out Nazi or something like that, and and just is not somebody that should be allowed to play magic and be a part of the community because they are threatening people's safety and stuff, then like, I don't think that that is the line is like no you can't take away their digital stuff like if if you're going to suspend somebody that's how you suspend them now but i just don't see any way in which this suspension is merited this just seems like a like retaliation for just not acting in the way you know not acting not bending the knee basically yeah, and, like, well, what are you expecting to get there? Hey, you leaked some information from one of the players we have under contract. Can you pl- can you tell us? And the person's just kind of thinking, if I tell you, you're just going to do very bad things to them. Mm-hmm. So, no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're, like, effectively... I mean, number one, it was a request. The email that they sent to him did not demand this information, did not make it clear at all that, like, his future in magic the gathering was at stake during this investigation so this just came out of nowhere for him number two the thing that they are asking him clearly is sell out your friend and sell out their livelihood because they depend on this in order to pay their bills in the middle of this pandemic when it's impossible to get a job so tell us which of your friends gave us this information and we might fire them so how could he ever <laughs> we like will fire them? It's not a might. They're yeah. going to take action against whoever did it. As we can tell by the fact that they took action against someone who had nothing to do with it. Yeah. So like in what world does like a moral human being then turn around and see like, yep, yeah, it was so and so. Take him out. It's baffling. I don't know. Just uh, it's it's so strange to me and like also just what a from a very dispassionate removed perspective like what a pr misstep what an idiotic thing to do when people are watching and they're not and they're super focused on it too because he's just announced all this crap that everyone cares about yeah everybody's mad already and we're stuck inside so you know 
We're going to yell about stuff on Twitter if we don't like it. I yeah, can't that's go anywhere. Basically life. That's basically life now. Yeah. <laughs> Wake up, check Twitter before getting out of bed, make some angry comments, brush my teeth. <laughs> <laughs> that's just the start of my day. Yeah. Oh, man. I, that... It's just hard for me to express, like, how disappointing of a move this is. It, it's just egregious and short-sighted and petty, it seems like. Yeah. I've got to update my next note. So if we want to move on Five. from this. Yeah, I had typed in, oh, my God, three secret lairs announced today as I was typing these notes up on Monday. But then in the, like, half hour after that, they announced two more. So we got a bunch of new magic products announced. Uh, we got, you know, a set of secret layers, and they're going to do like a, a week-long drop series like they did when they first did secret layers. And they also announced the most ridiculously named magic set yet, Double Masters. It's, Hell yeah. I... I don't believe that they should have named it that without going all out and like decorating the box like an arcade cabinet from the 80s or something like that. Like this is Ooh, just double dragging it up. Yeah, exactly. Like that's what I think of every time I see it. But it's yeah, just I, that I we have two rares and also the booster packs are twice the price. When I saw the doubling season, it's just two like dragon hatchlings. I'm like, oh, double dragon. It yeah. makes sense. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> And the, the set was just not called that. I'm like, oh. So kind of funny that they released the information about these sets and the secret layers and stuff. I, I guess the secret layer stuff kind of came out on a normal schedule and they had kind of set it up with magic personalities and stuff to, to reveal the cards and stuff. The Double Masters announcement came on a day that is not normal for announcements and kind of seemed like it was supposed to be a distraction from all the op stuff maybe but that may be like a friday or saturday or something some crazy day yeah i mean might be a conspiracy theory but it was not a normal time to announce this and it was right in the middle of everybody being real mad about op stuff i I think it was more coincidence probably it was uh also did not go over well. Let's, let's talk about the, the secret layers first, because they're mostly simple. Secret layers are pretty simple. Yeah. So five secret layers. Each one is available for one day. They're honestly, like, kind of cool looking. There's a lightning bolt oh, yeah, one. Honestly, I they're super cool. Yeah. The lightning bolt one is fantastic. The one by Noah Bradley, especially, yeah. is one I really like. Uh, I, I'm kind of... one with the lightning bolts hitting a dragon. I don't remember the artist on that one. I didn't recognize him. But Wait. that one was really good, too. Wait, is that the one hitting... But there's one hitting a bear, too, right? There is one hitting a bear, which is... You know, they're all good. They're but all I good. really liked those other two. Sure. A little disappointing. I think somebody was saying that those ones are foil, which... They is... are foil. Those are the... As far as I can tell, the only foil secret layer in this pack. It's literally... Yeah, definitely the one I was the most, most played interested card in. Modern. in. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to foil out my modern deck and make it cost $3,000 so that I can play these bolts in it. I mean, none of this matters because Paper Magic doesn't exist, but, you know. I do believe you can, if I'm not mistaken, and I easily could be, because my look into these has been minimal. Mm. But I was told you get a playset of the bolts instead of just one of each, which seemed overly generous no. to me, so I might just be wrong. I think that was somebody saying, like, oh, it's cute that it's a playset because you get four bolts. Oh, you get four. Oh, okay, okay, I see. So, um, yeah, I definitely misunderstood that. The tattoo theme one is cool looking. It's, you know traditional american illustration themed 
pretty neat. All the flavor text references tattoos. Oh, cool. I didn't, I did not see that. Yeah. Yeah. Like eternal witnesses, flavor text is like memories etched on skin and all that mm. stuff. The only one without flavor text is pitting needle, which <laughs> I looked at and I was like, yeah, I can't think of good flavor text for pitting needle either. <laughs> like if you want to make it tattoo themed. Because <laughs> um, the easiest one is Ink Moth Nexus. That was the that was the slam dunk. Oh yeah, that is really cool. Yeah, so I mean, the arts on these secret layers are are mostly pretty neat, and I mean, it's secret layers. Like it is what it is. Like conspicuous consumption of the product, and whatever we've talked about these before. So it's just normal secret layers. Yeah, I'm, I'm not gonna buy any because. You have to invest way too much money in acquiring enough of a card I want. And yep. I have to get a bunch of stuff I don't want, including like a million tons of plastic these are shipped in. They are very wasteful products. <laughs> yes. I, I got Extremely. I got one from the first series. Um, also, I heard that none of the 2020 secret layers have shipped. Nobody's they have got not. nobody's gotten one from this year. Yeah, there was like a delay on the January ones, and then the COVID stuff happened, and understandably shipping has just sure. been crazy ever since then. So, you know, think about that before ordering your secret layers, because you may not get them until like 2021. Which is fine, because that'll be just in time to be almost ready for Paper Magic. I guess, but people want to, <laughs> like, you know, the, this is the type of thing where it's a little different. Like, you get it to have it and like sleeve it up and look at it. You know, I, I don't, I'm sorry. I mean, but the people who do, you know, like the, the draw of these things is like, I want to like, take a look at these bolts. Like I want to have, I want to hold them in my hand, you know? I, yeah, I I like ordering pretty cards when I can, Mm -hmm. but I always play with them. Sure. Cause I just, that's what I like doing with magic. I like playing with them and I like having cool versions of stuff. But yeah. I don't buy cards to have them. Sure. Yeah, I, I I understand that. But I think there are a lot of people who do. And I think a lot of the people who do are the, the people who are spending money on secret layers generally. Okay. On to Double Masters. So, you know, Double Masters, kind of interesting. Master sets always have some amount of draw to them because they often have cool limited formats and they often have good reprints. They simultaneously, with the Double Masters announcement, made it clear that there would be no fetch lands in them. And I love that call out in the announcement. By the way, guys, here's a new reprint set. Not going to be the reprints you want, but here's yeah. what we do have. <laughs> By far, the most requested reprints. Like, fetch lands, Zendikar fetches are just the most important thing for them to reprint, and they're just not doing it in this set. They should just put them in every pack, like uh, like the cons of Tarkir lands. Or the Guild Gates. Just put them in every pack. <laughs> well, they're $12 a pack, so, you know, not too far off. There was a listing for Double Masters box on Amazon, I believe, an official listing, putting it at $300 for a box of 24 packs, which puts the packs at about $12.50 a piece. And in box form. In box form, yeah. So that's extremely expensive. Yes, that's more expensive than the Ultimate Masters, which is the... Is Ultimate Masters the one with the last one we had? Yeah. Hmm. Well... Yes, that was the most expensive one, because it had the box toppers, and yeah. the expensive packs, and all that stuff. Really fun limited set. Not worth the money. No, it, it didn't 
end up panning out super well. A lot of the mythics were good in that, at least. But if you missed on mythics, then it was it was definitely not quite at the value that you want. We don't know what the cards are in Double Masters. The fact that you're getting two rares definitely can help take the sting out of that. But I just... Like, when am I going to spend $300 on a box of magic cards? I, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just not. It's just not a thing... And I'm not really the target for these sorts of things. I appreciate when they happen and they lower costs of staples so that people can pick them up and play the formats that I like playing that they may not have had access to before. But, you know, who knows if this does that. And it definitely feels like a like we're in the middle of a pandemic and a bunch of people are losing their jobs and you're going to release a $300 box of magic cards and five yeah, secret but layers. They, but they, they gave away like a box of mystery booster for LGSs for free. So that kind of balances out the scales. Mm. Yeah. And the secret layers actually feel a little even more tone deaf because of the way the LGSs are suffering. And this is another product that doesn't go through LGSs. So nope. that's all a little bit troubling. Yeah. But, and I, I don't, I, I just don't know how I'm even going to, play this like i liked drafting a lot mm -hmm. the old master sets i can't even yeah realistically pick up a box of this for 300 dollars and then find eight people that i'm also quarantined with to draft or six people <laughs> that's a lot of people yeah yeah i don't know what you're supposed to do with these these packs i don't know open them and then look at them yep i guess <laughs> You get that you get that rare excitement twice in each pack, so perfect. And the foil excitement? You could open them four rares. Yeah. And it's you get basically quadruple masters. Two box toppers? Ooh. Do you really? I didn't know that. You do get two box toppers. I, I do have like some are the box toppers foil? Are they have to be? Yeah, they always are, right? Yeah. Well, that's disappointing. I know. I the blind steel colossus looks so cool. I it want is very it cool. so badly. But I'm I'm just never going to pick one up because it's probably going to be really expensive and I, I'm i not a big fan of foils. Wait, it's Dark Steel Colossus, right? Not Blight Steel Colossus? There, no, there's a Blight Steel Colossus oh. in Double Masters. I can see how you could be confused because there's been a million previews of random sets, but there's a Dark Steel Colossus in a secret lair, the robot one. Oh, and a right. Blight Steel Colossus okay. in Double Masters. <laughs> okay, okay. Gotcha. Very easy mistake to make. You really got to be on your toes when they're releasing, you know, eight products at once. <laughs> yep. I, it's not as bad as Ikoria spoilers coming out at the same time as Ikoria themed commander spoilers. That was definitely the worst. And I will continue to complain about that until the day I die. Oh, wow. This three color mutate mythic is so, oh, it's from the commander set. <laughs> Just with a set mechanic on it. It was so confusing. It was incredible possibly confusing and you know it's during that time period where you don't have the the set symbol internalized in any way so you don't just naturally it's not like oh that looks wrong for some reason oh it's because it's a commander set symbol like it's just like looked like an Ikoria thing it was i don't even remember the set symbol but it was easily an Ikoria thing yes it fit the aesthetic of Ikoria set symbols so not not the finest moment <laughs> Those are kind of our main topics. We have not talked about any magic strategy or results or anything like that yet. 
That is a lie, sir. We went on a tangent about Aquaria Limited not too long ago. That's true, but we didn't give anybody any really actionable advice on that format. I, I did. You gotta pick the cyclers earlier. Keep open. Mm-hmm. Come That's on. true. All right, all right. Then we've we've done our due diligence for today. Um, but I did want to mention, at least for a little bit, so number one, Historic is now a semi-relevant format that it's going to be played at the Mythic Invitational, which is not particularly relevant to most players, but Magic players are so seem to be so starved for a playable format that Historic has had an immediate renaissance following that announcement. Most of the, like, whenever I turn on Twitch, most of the top Magic streams have been playing Historic, and it just is very popular right now, despite the fact that nobody, except for a very select few, are going to be playing it at a competitive level. But I guess by recognizing it at that, like, maybe it gets played in future events at some point in the future. There is, like, a gentleman's agreement right now, because... I don't see anyone playing Luka decks really at all. And every time I roll up against one in a, in a historic game, because I, if I ever play Arena, I play historic because I love playing Kephas. That deck is so my jam. Yeah. And that's the only format I can play it in. And every time I roll up against, I play against someone playing Luka or with Noda, some like cheat out agent of treachery deck from standard, basically with some upgraded cards. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, Oh no. <laughs> this deck is clearly better than what I'm doing, and it's so disappointing. And my deck is the Kethas deck is good. It yeah. dominated standard not too long ago. Evan was playing a Kethas deck, and I don't know how different his build was from yours. I know that he was running some Lurises. You can't run it as a companion, obviously, but it's just like a good card in the deck because it's legendary and lets you rebuy excavators and Lazavs and stuff. Excavator and Lazav, yeah. Yeah. But so he was playing a build of the deck and surprised at the success he was having against the Agent of Treachery decks. But then he ran into the problem, which is that the Naya Winota deck was just too fast for him to deal with. And that seems to be the deck to beat in the format. It is basically elves, fast attacking things, so Legion War Boss and similar to that, and Winota. And the creature, the, the humans that you cheat out are uh, Hactos and Angrath's Marauders, I think is the... Yeah, from Ixalan. The one that doubles the damage Damn. that all your creatures deal. Yeah. So it's, like, pretty possible to either win... Like, if you get a good draw, it's possible to win on turn three or just make the game, like, completely out of your opponent's reach at that point. But, yeah, so that is... That seems to be kind of the deck to beat in the format, but the Agent of Treachery decks are also good. And then, yeah, there's just like a handful of cards that seem to be more powerful than the rest of the format. And I talk about the anthologies real quick? Yeah. There's been three so far. I don't believe they're releasing anymore. I thought they they said they were going to work on uh, implementing Jumpstart and Amonkhet Mm -hmm. before they introduced any more historic stuff. So these three are pretty much the ones we get. Uh, and almost none of the cards matter. <laughs> like you could, you could not buy any of the anthologies. Maybe craft a lonely sandbar or something like that. And maybe and meddling mages. Set. Yeah, maybe meddling mage. Yeah, but right. you're you're good to go. Right, but certainly Phyrexian Obliterator and like Soul Wardens are not 
the cards that are going to compete with Nexus of Fate and Kethys and Agent of Treachery decks. Like even Gruul, Gruul's just a good deck, and it gets supercharged by them playing unplayable cards. You just get to run them over. You can't <laughs> afford to be turtling around with your Hondans or your Hidetsugu's second raid or whatever. Right. Sure. Like a bunch of cards they printed Terravore, I think, too. Uh, at one point in the game, my opponent Lukad and Ulamog into play, and I was like, oh, thank God. Bounced it with Teferi. That <laughs> just wasn't Asia of Treachery. A card in standard. It does seem like God, yeah, the cards in those things are just so random. Like, Ulamog, the good Ulamog, is just legal in the format. And it seems like there should be something you can do with that. Like, at least Nissa it out or something, but... I mean, you can, but there's just, as we've seen from current standard... Right, Nissa is... eclipsed by the other broken mana engines. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've got Wilderness Reclamation with Nexus of Fate and Field of the Dead, if you want that. You've got Fires of Invention and all its stuff. The only thing banned in the format is Oko and Veil, and Once Upon a Time. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see where this format ends up after, you know, everybody's sunk their teeth into it. I know that Evan was going to start looking at the mono-red decks because pressure plus removal seems to be a good way of, number one, beating the Winota decks, and number two, being faster than some of the other decks in the format. You got to make some decisions here about what you want to do with your deck. Like, I think there's kind of three options. You can be an Ember Cleave deck. You can be a Luris deck. And it's pretty easy to splash Luris because you can just have eight red shock lands and then however many check lands you think you can fit in there without screwing up your mana. And then it's not that hard to splash Luris. And. Uh, the other option is if you want to be a Chain Whirler deck and you can splash for Call of the Death Dweller to just have Plague Winds in your deck. And so, like, lots of potentially powerful stuff for a Mono Red Aggro deck to do, and that may be kind of the next step that the metagame goes to, so I'd look out for that. Historic is in a really weird spot, because the metagame is so nebulous. You right. just see posts of, on Twitter of what people are playing, and you're like, oh, that maybe looks cool, maybe I should play that or adjust my deck towards that mm-hmm. and then you play your ladder and you play against like three different decks and you're like i don't know what's going on no, there's <laughs> nothing really solidified in the format like you right. see some stuff that's strong uh wilderness reclamation monored luca that sort of deal mm-hmm. but you never really solidify your understanding of how many how good these decks are how popular they are that like you would get in tournament data right so in general i think it's pretty a pretty bad idea to lean your deck too much into adjusting for anything. You, you got to pick a powerful thing and be doing it. It seems like the modern approach, modern 2018. Yeah. Yeah. No modern 2020 is not really about that anymore. Like you got to have the right cards at the right time in modern. And you're really likely to have them. There's a bunch of cards. You just always have access to. Right. Yep. Whether it be Luris or mystic sanctuary. <laughs> God, Mystic Sanctuary has done more to change modern than, like, Mystic Sanctuary has done almost as much to change modern as the Companions have, honestly. Like, it is unreal how it has changed the way that this format plays out. I also want to talk very briefly about Legacy because our Legacy Lotus Box League tournament is this weekend. So if you are a Legacy fan... 
come play in that. If you are a patron of the Grindcast or of Team Lotus Box, uh, you are already you already have entry into that tournament. So you know, come hang out. It's a one k, and we're going to be experimenting and seeing what goes on in post Luris ban legacy, post Luris and Zerda ban legacy. Of course, can't forget about Zerda. Yeah. So one one companion still there. You're still welcome to play Garuda in this format if you want to. There are like two companions, right? Garuda yeah, and, and Gigantha. Yeah, and and Yorion, like and Yorion three. That's but three. Okay. But Garuda is the one that has like made its presence known a little more, you know, over the course of its legality in the format. Um, but you know, we saw Mike win the challenge with Yorion Death and Taxes, and that certainly is available to you if, if that's the type of magic that you want to play. You know what's super interesting as I was looking as I was looking at legacy results mm. is that uh, there were like two flicker decks that did well in the last challenge, the one that Mike won. Yeah. And they're just kinda Aether Vile come into play ability flickery type deals. Yeah, but are you talking about like the Baleful Strix Aether Vile deck? Yes. Yeah. Baleful Strix, Plague Engineer, uh, Peacekeeper a bunch of weird stuff. Yeah, the first time we played against that deck, which was like I think before the PC while they were preparing for that and and just played against it in a league and just had no idea what was going on. I mean, yeah, and that I was, was months the, ago was now, but that. yeah. We Cabal therapied them, saw like a plow, and then they flashed in Baleful Strikes off their Aether file. <laughs> like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> we lost to it really easily. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because it seems ridiculous when you're playing against it, but the deck is actually pretty good. Yeah, it, it it and it it's like a it's got a bunch of synergy with flicker effects, and it doesn't play Yorion. I was kind of surprised by that. Yeah, I, I think it just you got to decide how important it is to have Aethervile in your opening hand, and if you think upping that percentage of games where you have Aethervile in your opening hand is going to up your win percentage more than having Yorion. And Death and Taxes operates very differently because Death and Taxes plays these long, long, grindy games. It, it, it just is willing to go forever. And so that that makes it definitely more tempting as a Yorion deck. And, you know, then you can fit in all of the stuff. Yeah, which, you don't yeah. have to pick and choose anymore. Right. It was weird to me that Mike's List only had two Palace Jailers. I know I that believe card there is are two bonkers. power scalers in the 60 card version of the deck. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, is two just always the optimal number? That's interesting. Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I mean, and also having an 80 card deck does benefit your recruiter of the guard package in a reasonable way. You're less likely to draw your remorseful cleric in matchups where it just doesn't do anything. And that's, that's nice. Yeah, it, it is good. I... The legacy metagame right now is kind of weird because people have kind of diverted back to Delver decks and Oko decks. And Oko, it's yeah. Oko was two pretty colors. unplayable for a minute because Luris just pushed it out completely. But Yeah, it was unplayable because it didn't fit the companion requirement of Luris. <laughs> right. <laughs> but Oko is certainly back. That card is just completely bonkers and still extremely good. Now you have the Delverdex splashing for Oko. Basically just playing green for Oko and a few other cards like Veil of Summer. Yeah, I mean, you can you can fit a couple of Hooting Mandrels in there too. Yeah, I mean, if you have green, yeah. that's not why you're in the color. No, But once no. you've got it, you might as well throw like some Hooting Mandrels, some sideboard cards. I've seen Sylvan Library a couple times in the sure. sideboards. 
It is really embarrassing when you cast Hooting Mandrills and they cast Gurmag Angler, though. It feels atrocious. Well, that's when you cast your Oko and make it an elk. Yeah, it's true. Like, what is your opponent doing with Gurmag Angler? Are they not playing Oko? <laughs> no, I mean, there are not that many Gurmag Anglers <laughs> running around anymore. That that particular head-to-head was from a, a, form, a previous iteration of Legacy. A bygone era. Yeah. We have to, and, and the other Oko decks are just astrolabe piles. Yep. And those those definitely exist. Yeah, I mean, Legacy just is a little bit up in the air at this point. Because you have now, a lot of times after bans, a format like Legacy does just revert to the pre-ban status. I guess we haven't had that many bans that are just like, the cards from the newest set banned from Legacy. But that, yeah, that's kind of what you would... Breach or Renin 6. All right. Well, Renin 6, <laughs> Renin 6 stuck around for a minute in Legacy. It's way too long. Way too long. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, so sometimes you do expect the format to just sort of flex back to where it had been before. But it does still have to fit these kind of also-ran companions into it now. And so we're going to see the impact that those can have on a format where Luris isn't just overshadowing them completely. And so that, that'll be kind of an interesting thing to watch for. Is there a build of Garuda that just is consistent enough and, and stomps on people enough that that's what you, like, have to deal with in a legacy tournament? It's weird, because Garuda won a challenger. I can't keep up with what level of event this is. It's some big event in sure. legacy. Uh, Bob Wong won with Garuda, because mm-hmm. he loves degenerate decks if he can play them. <laughs> he yeah. just... Doesn't really matter the uh, expected fun he's gonna have because he just loves jamming. <laughs> but he he crushed with Garuda and it's kind of become a legacy mainstay since then. It doesn't have a lot of representation, mm-hmm. but it's always kind of there. There's it like well. often one in the top eight, like Sandy Dogs in the top eight of this last challenge with it. Yeah, I think it's like the best Belchery deck we've seen in Legacy in quite a while. Sure, because you're just you don't have to mulligan that much. You just always have Garuda. Right. You never have to draw your Belcher. You just have your Belcher. Yeah, drawing your Belcher, probably bad, because you don't have another one in your deck. Yeah. <laughs> you just want to draw your Ancient Tomb and your two fast mana cards. Yep. And play Garuda. That's kind of all it is. Or your Cavern. Playing a turn slower yeah, so you can Cavern is also good. Yeah. Of course. That's why there's... I don't know. I'm not looking at lists right now, but I know one of the ones I looked at earlier had four defense grids on the board. Just like, because you only care about counter spells. <laughs> That's what your game plan is. I mean, they can't, can't thought seize it. Seized. Yeah. yeah. I mean, swords works like reasonably well against it. Yes. Spot removal is good. Swords. Caracas. Caracas like yeah. we talked about in the, the Keeper Mole earlier. Yep. Bolt, but outside of that. Bolt doesn't cut it. Fatal Push doesn't cut it. No, sir. Oko does not cut it either because there's too much value. Right, right. Like they just generate too much too quickly. And honestly, they can, with Dax Duplicant, I believe that's the name of the clone that gives haste, uh, and Dragonlord Kologon, you can just deal a large chunk of damage. So they, spot removal is not really going to cut it in the first place anyway. Yeah. Dax Duplicate is a conspiracy card which gains haste and dethrone when it copies oh, a creature. I, I got the name right. Nice. I knew it got dethroned, but I knew it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, so definitely there there are some boogeyman aspects to Garuda's existence in the format, for sure. Um, but yeah, th- there are ways to fight it. 
and even like a Delver deck could potentially, you know, stifle or whatever. If you have stifle and Oko, you 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 can do it, but it's uh it's rough. Yeah, if they don't have Cavern, Delver's pretty well set up. You you have yeah. a bunch of permission and good clocks, but you, yeah. I if mean, you have I think Cavern, you're, you're struggling. Mulliganing relatively hard for Cavern, but yeah, like definitely like a way that that matchup can play out is they mulligan relatively hard for Cavern, and then they don't have that fast of a draw, and then you like have Delver and then Bolts, and you like kill them, or Dreadhorde Arcanist, yeah, that sort of deal, yeah. I know Lands is played. Lands is still a factor in Legacy. Uh, but I've heard from Legacy people on Twitter that it's not very good right now. Even though it seems to be performing fine. Which is a little weird to me. Interesting. Uh, Casey cited that people were starting to play From the Ashes in sideboards. Which is a... I don't remember what set it's from. Commander or something. Uh, it's a 4-mana, basically one-sided Armageddon. You destroy all non-basic lands a player controls, and then they search their library for a basic land for each one that was destroyed okay <laughs> so against the lands it's essentially armageddon but you get to keep all your lands <laughs> and it's not blood moon like you can't cross encrypt that effect right you're just your lands are gone now gotcha so so it's like the astrolabe decks that are running that so it's just like i mostly see it in delver lists. okay and it's not like the astrolabe decks can't play it i just i haven't really seen it pick up there yeah because Delver is so weak against lands traditionally mm-hmm. that they kind of want this haymaker punch that says, "Hey, you're you're gone. We're we're done with this damn game." Gotcha. Yeah, yeah, that totally makes sense. Kind of surprised. Yeah, I guess the mana just doesn't really work out to run um, Hall of Heliod's Generosity because I'm not seeing that in any of these lands lists, and that was a thing that like could have been neat to do in lands just to like give you better access to exploration because you know lands with exploration out is a different deck from lands without exploration out but white mana is really difficult and it's not like you want to be spending a bunch of time getting set up with hall of heliod's generosity in the first place no but it's just like in the mid game sometimes that just like catapults you to locking your opponent out completely if you can find drago's quarter just finding an exploration so you can do twice as much stuff is pretty good but yeah it doesn't look like these decks are doing anything like particularly new here there's gigantha in the sideboard but like kind of who cares it's just a free inclusion yeah i mean they're they're oko decks now and you can run like an uro too but it's you know fine it feels dishonest to play Uro when you have Gigantha. I don't know why. <laughs> <laughs> it's clearly not against the rules, but it kind of feels like Yeah, it, it definitely costs green, green, blue, blue. So I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I am excited to watch some Legacy play out and do our best to talk about it. And I, I have been watching a fair amount of Legacy and just c- kind of trying to internalize where the format is at right now. But it is so like influx and, and so new that it's hard to like get a firm grasp on what's going on so I, i'd like to yeah, see I, that i've watched a couple challenges i don't really know what's going on from two different perspectives i watched uh daniel damato streams of storm mm-hmm. and i watched uh Anurag stream as well he's playing delver yeah but i it's 
the the format's big and no one really knows what's going on other than you know the clear signposts of the really powerful cards sure go garuda that sort of deal yeah and i mean legacy is a format that will focus in and and you know spiral down and become focused on a couple of decks that are definitely the best things and it will probably be a delver deck with okos an astrolabe deck you know a swords to plowshares deck of some stripe and then like some sort of combo deck and we'll just figure out like what those are i gotta say for this legacy tournament i just really hope i've got like two horses in this race i really want mike to win because just won his challenge he's just so good at legacy at death attacks specifically yeah and he's just a great guy also i want uh steven dykeman to win just to just so he's <laughs> yeah just because he's got the four just to top eight every single turn i guess he doesn't have to win he's just a top yeah eight. as long as he just top eights that's that's totally fine with me yeah so i guess my, my perfect event would be uh dykeman top 80 and then braverman taking the tournament down sure i'm into that i i would be very happy to see that happen all right should we do a quick patreon question of the week yeah let's do it what have we got here nick asks Consider a scenario where a TO uses their own ban list and not the Watsi sanctioned one. Are you more or less likely to participate in this tournament and why? Lee, what do you think? I I don't want to answer like the direct would you play in it question just yet. I kind of mm-hmm. want to talk about the concept of separate ban lists from Watsis. Mm-hmm. Because pretty much every tournament is played is sanctioned under you know, Watsi rules. You go to the convention center, you play against everyone is agreeing the same rules because it's you know the rules everyone plays by the ban list yep now we're kind of in the quarantine world where we've got all these third-party organizers doing their own tournaments right like mythic society is running those like you know random standard tournaments with like six sets chosen by a a die roll yeah set roulette yeah yeah and that's like we're just playing by these unspoken rules or we have been, that we were just playing normal tournaments just from home. Mm-hmm. But now with Hoogland did a bunch of historic to start things off. Like he was into historic way before everyone else was. Mm-hmm. And he had a bunch of historic tournaments, which was cool because no one really supported that. And I've been wishing historic would be supported for a long time because it's you know a format you can escape to on Arena that isn't standard. Sure. Which Arena desperately needs. And like you said, Mythic Society doing the set roulette thing is super cool. And I love that idea. The big problem I have uh, with the set roulette thing in particular is that it kind of pushes people out of building. Because if you're picking sets from like Revised, Invasion, Plane Shift, Dark Ascension... And like Urza Saga, you're like, what are half of these cards? I don't, where do I start? It's just mm-hmm. too much. <laughs> like, <laughs> and I, I kind of briefly uh, brewed some for the first one. And I was like, all right, what cards are in Dark Ascension? Faithless Looting and that's it. All right, got it. <laughs> and then you go to Urza Saga and then you're like, wow, there's so many broken cards in this set. I cannot <laughs> believe this is what's going on. And it's... You kind of have to focus on one thing in those tournaments, and it's really hard because it's just such a brand new format. One of the things I would like to see, especially with all the recent heinous standard formats, is just to ban a problematic card or a problematic mechanic. 
and just see where it goes from there. Mm-hmm. Like we're not we're not reshaping standard by throwing six random sets into a hat and you have to play it now, figure it out. Right, which it's is just, cool. We're, in its own we're right. taking the companions out and seeing what standard is with no companions. Yes, yeah, standard with no companions, modern with no companions. They're gone. You can still play with the Corya. Here you go. You just can't companion anything. If you want sure. to play Karuda, you know, go crazy. Yeah. Uh, or maybe you play, you pick standard, but you ban one card. Agent of Treachery is banned. What do you do? Mm-hmm. Go. That people have so much history of standard to build off of. You know, having played with the sets as they've come out for two years, leading up to a ban. And people are, you know, used to cards getting banned out of standard at this point. Yeah. You, you know what to do when a card's been banned. And if the tenets of the tournament are that this card is banned, everything else is the same. See what you can do. Right. I You're just playing a week one standard, basically. Like a post... Right. I, I definitely think it's interesting. And I think that there's a couple of drawbacks to it. Um, I mean, there's obviously a number of drawbacks to it, but the, the ones that like stick out in my head are, number one, uh, I think that in particular, if you're banning the stuff that people like are clamoring for bans of, I think it's going to add fuel to weird fires that you don't really want to add fuel to. Because the weekends following a ban, those tournaments, like they're usually great. And the top eights look great because... We haven't had got, we haven't gotten a metagame to exploit yet, so it's just like oh cool we got rid of Oko now like look at this cool stuff and then two weeks later it's like oh god oh no do you, do you remember the weekend after Bitch from Below was banned not yeah, Hogak just Bitch right, from Below right like Hogak that. like kind of like fell uh, fell down like there wasn't that much Hogak there was like a bunch of different stuff going on that was the weekend of scg philadelphia one of yep. them i remember yep and that tournament was fantastic everyone was having a blast with the new modern horizons cards now that bridge from blow had been banned right and there's just i didn't play against a single hogak deck and there was that one guy playing you know a hogak deck because he couldn't let it go uh, his name was oliver tomiko and <laughs> <laughs> but he he was just playing a, still playing hogak and eventually people were like oh this is Still kind of good, I guess, but people were like reluctant to accept it. Yeah, and then Moto destroyed the meta game. Yep, <laughs> and then you're just all it was all Hogak from then on. Yeah, exactly. So that, that week was perfect. Yeah, right and so before that's, everyone realized Hogak was still there. That's that's my, exactly my caution here. Is like, okay, we have a standard and we banned Agent of Treachery. Look how diverse and fun it is. Well, okay, but that's. And so then you take that and you say, Wizards, you have to ban Agent of Treachery. Look at this great standard we would have if you banned. Well, that's week one post-ban standard. It's always good. Iterate on that metagame a couple of times. And not just in your tournament series where 150 players are, are, are playing it, but where the wider Magic Hive Mind is doing it. Like, we'll break this standard too. We'll make it super unfun. Don't worry. Um, and I the other one is like, you know, stemming off of that, like, iteration thing is, like, a huge part of the fun for me of Magic Tournaments is watching the metagame develop. And that that is missing when you have, you know, however you're doing it, but, like, one shot. Or even, like, in all of our standard tournaments, companions are going to get banned. But then you're, like, disconnected from Magic at large and the standard format that people are playing. And then, like, the results of that tournament 
don't matter on a larger scale and so it, it just isn't part like that's the beauty of magic is like every tournament result like there's something you can take away from it and when it's not the same format there's a lot less that you can take away from it so, so not, but it still could be fun to play in the tournament so i think i, I agree with you mostly from a organizer perspective you really don't want to make small changes even though it's better for players because you can just understand things, you're more likely to get more entrance that way. Mm-hmm. It, it's just there's too much cost. Like yeah. people don't care about the event if they're not playing it mostly. Right. right. But I think if your change is big enough, you generate this interest that makes it really fun to play in. Mm-hmm. Like the the set roulettes or that one time that Star City did no ban list open modern. Yeah. Like that was you know, yeah. people just knew what the band cards were and they're all strong so you get to figure stuff out and you don't have to like know what all the cards in darkness and Shinar. And, and i bet no companion of any format would be able to generate a, a decent amount of interest at that level because that's that's a hugely different format from from what we have yeah you're just companions. playing magic again oh man my like heart kind of like clenched up a little bit when you said that <laughs> We're not we're not playing companion magic simulator. No. Can I talk about how much I love Gigantha, by the way? I don't know why. I just really like that card. That's weird. He's so innocent. He's just like non-egregious in any possible way. You just like get to put him in kind of for free. Yeah. He doesn't really do anything. Just a five five. He's your buddy. He taps for a, a bunch of mana, which you can't, you can't use. use. <laughs> I don't know. I just really like that card. Yeah, I I think the companions should have been kind of like baselined out at that power level, sort of. Just like you can, you can have a five five if you want. You just gotta He's like your buddy. do some stuff. You can't run force a will. But this one makes mana, but you can't use it very well. <laughs> it's this so one awkward. creates charge counters, and I guess you can find somewhere to do that. It's <laughs> just like random stuff. Well, I don't know. The more like wild you get with it, the more breakable they get. But like, certainly none of the companions should have costed under like four or five mana. Like they just shouldn't have. And yeah, probably like Yorian is an egregious design for a bunch of reasons. Like it takes out like all of the fun parts of blinking stuff and and just like puts it on an expensive dumb four or five flyer. I love yorion decks but you can't you just can't play yorion like 80 card magic decks are like pretty cool <laughs> yeah well and, and the, honestly that may be a thing that has had to happen for a while it's just like magic has to become 80 cards and constructed anyways in order to contain like the ridiculousness of cards like fires of invention but or or just like three of 60 card decks oh yeah seen, but do you really think way. that wizards is gonna given two options which have basically oh, yeah. the same play, result. Play fewer cards that you need or right, more. Right, right. <laughs> okay, that's fair. I don't know. I just, I just like Gigantha. Is that so wrong? I can't be. It's, it's fine. I'm not going to hate you for liking Gigantha. Like, that's, that's totally reasonable. Uh, some of the other companions, though. Please take them back. I don't need yeah, them. I'm, I'm, I know Collins likes to think that you can this is our companion section of the uh, ban list there's always going to be a companion <laughs> section of the podcast oh, yeah. 
So I know Collins likes the idea where you can introduce more companions to the game and you have like a bigger breadth. So you're just playing like Companion the Gathering and it's just a different game, which is fine. But you like get options and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that in theory. Just planeswalker design philosophy where you, you introduce a new thing to the game and you keep doing it. Yeah, and it's and it a part of it itself now. Out. Sure. That's fine. I think that's fine. But for companions specifically, I think the design of the mechanic is so narrow mm. that it's just not feasible. Yeah. Like you get this situation where you're printing... If you want to make a companion, right, you have to make it so that it always starts in your opening hand and it gives you some options. But it has to have a deck building restriction. Mm-hmm. That is a crazy amount of things to design before you even get to like what the card is. Sure. And there, but there are a lot of ways to adjust the power level on them. Like, what if a bunch of the companions have like as an additional card cost to cast this discard a card from your hand or something like that, and now it's you know not a free card anymore. Like, yeah, but here's the thing. Like, the, the issue isn't just that it's always a free card. Right, the issue is it's always, always available. Yeah. And y- you have to design companions in such a way that they are, because you always have them, they're either too good, mm-hmm. like Loris, Yorion, too weird niche. They only work in one way, like yeah. Garuda. Or they don't, they're not or giving you anything Arsura. real, like Gigantha. Yeah. Yeah, or, or they're just, like, not good. Like, yeah. Lutri... Sure. Gigantha, Obosh, not Obosh, the uh, Umori. Sorry, yeah. I get confused on the name sometimes. Yeah, I, I agree. And also, add into that, every time you get it wrong, you get Alluris. And it destroys yeah. multiple formats. And every time you get it right, you just get, like, Gigantha? Is that the reward? Yeah, it's is, this, like a is this a reward. good enough payoff? I don't think so. Like, what's the what's the companion that we have now that you want them to be judged based off of? Right. Like, Umori? Like, yeah, like, which cares? one is the positive addition to any constructed format, really? Kind of none of them. Kahira the Orphan Guard. No, I think that's that, honestly, to me, that's one of the worst designs. It's just like, if yeah. you don't have creatures, you get this t- card with meaningless text on it. Like, I think that's an egregious design, honestly. Or you can build a tribal deck with a bunch of bad tribes. It, I mean, if the requirement Which, were your deck has to have 16 creature. creatures with these creature types or something like that, then fine. Like, here's my lord. Like, great. I mean, if you make, like, a Kahira for goblins, you just can't print the card, right? Oh, yeah, no. It has to be for weird creature types. So you can't even, like, have a focused, You mu- your deck must be kind of like this, because always having access to that card is just too strong that's the problem i have with companions well but you can't not if design it's, not if it's a bad thing that you're making that you're you know it has to be a specifically bad thing like a cat nightmare dinosaur deck now it can work now we did it <laughs> we did it watch out almond cat block constructed kakira is coming for you <laughs> yeah boy this has really just been a ragging on wizards episode of the podcast but like, what else are we that, supposed to do? That's what 2020 is. We're, we're just going to keep holding them accountable until they do something positive, you know? Well, I don't know how much power we have to do that, but we can certainly get mad about stuff. Yeah, we can we, we can complain. That's, yeah. that's I, our job. I love complaining. I don't love it, but it needs to happen sometimes. Nah, just open your heart to it. Just admit it. <laughs> it's fun. 
I can't do it. It's cathartic. I'm not sure exactly where in the episode I'm going to splice this in, but five minutes after recording, I opened up Monster Train on Lee's recommendation, started playing, and then Lee called me again to let me know that during the podcast, Wizards had made an announcement. So, you know, our, our complaining about the scheduling of announcements with regards to when we record the podcast was a little bit prescient, I guess. But we're, <laughs> we, we're back. We, we're going to talk about it this time. We could have been complaining mid-announcement. It's totally possible. So, the Wizards announcement is, verbatim, all we got was, on Monday, June 1st, there will be an update to the banned and restricted list impacting the standard and historic formats that will also address the companion mechanic. All right, wild speculation. What what, what, what are we getting here? That is a lot to take in. All right, so let's, let's tackle this in order, right? Standard historic. So the problematic cards in those formats, I, I don't know that much about historic. It's relatively new. I'm not sure what they would be doing with it. Eh, they might be rebanning Nexus of Fate, just to yeah, get you. Suspending, ya. suspending, sir. They suspend things in Historic, and then once they No, none of that. No, it's not. <laughs> I guess they did take stuff off the suspended list, so I guess Including it is meaningfully different. Yeah. Right, right, right. And Field of the Dead, right? Yeah, and Field of the Dead. Yep. So they could resuspend Nexus. They could do some other stuff. Who knows? I think in Standard, if they're banning anything... It's got to be fires, right? That card's just egregious. Yeah, I man, maybe that's possible. Like, when are we? Gonna it would definitely the... be weird to ban Agent of Treachery. Yes, but that could also be where it's going because that thing just puts so many restrictions on what you're allowed to do. Like, you just can't cast four mana spells unless they're part of your Agent of Treachery plan. So, you know? I, I, yeah, I get it. But there's, like, one way to cheat out Agent of Treachery, to Like, you have Luka and Winoda, right? Mm-hmm. And if you... The Winoda deck's kind of high rolly. It can get there sometimes until it can't. Uh, there's a lot of tools, I think, that you can kind of build around. But there's this huge restriction on the format that there's just a deck that doesn't care about any removal or sweepers or anything. And it still kills you with Agent of Treachery. Yeah. And I can see them banning Agent. It just feels like, look, Fires is going to be around for another year and a half. That's a really long time for a card that triples your mana. Like, it puts such a huge gate on cards to exist in the format. For sure. No, I, I hear you. And, yeah. I I think back to when that card was spoiled, and it was just not the type of i mean i guess it was because we just have infinite mana doublers in standard but it was definitely a weird one to evaluate um but one that pretty clearly had like break me written on it and we've done that a bunch of times when i so, when i saw the card the only thing i could think of was this card is either useless or completely broken and i don't actually know which one yeah yeah and, and turns it became, out pretty clear that it was the second i we hypothesized the cavalier stuff like day one of knowing that fires existed and i will forever be like a little chuffed about that like you know that we kind of we kind of got there on that one and that feels nice 
but uh yeah the fact that fires is just such a powerful card and like enables all of this pretty degenerate stuff and the cavalier stuff was the tip of the iceberg oh i know we've come so far from cavaliers yep yeah now we're no, just we... killing people on turn five just by taking their land they're just done they're out of the game and see that's that's what bums me out because like fires is a super cool card but it's a super cool card when the stuff you're doing with it is like, yeah, my fae of wishes are going to be so good. And we're going to play a super long game and I'm really going to get value out of this fire's mana doubling engine. Uh, but when it's just like, yeah, we're going to use this fires so we can do two giant things starting on turn four and or do one giant thing starting on turn four, multiple giant things start on f- turn five. And then like the game's just going to be over. Like, aw, that's that's no fun, man. I mean, that's that's magic, though, right? It's like, true. Dark it's Ritual true. Hypnotic Specter is like, ooh, that's cool, but Dark Hypnotic or Dark Ritual Entomb Exhum. Now that's a card, you know. It's just <laughs> like <laughs> these things are just kind of stem from the same card. They're nowhere near similar. It's just oh, so flexible. You can do whatever you want, and that's why I don't think fires can exist for another Probably year. Probably not. No, I I could see that being the ban. Um, it's probably that. I mean, it could also just they might sidestep that and just have it be Luca. <laughs> Would that's, be a way to go. I don't think hard. that's the right thing to do, but I could see them believing it is. I could see them like scorched earthing this, like they have other band announcements. Like, okay, here's what's banned: fires and agent and something else tertiary that we think might be good based on data. We're not going to share with anyone. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, it is really hard to predict what's going to happen. I certainly have no idea what's going to happen in Historic. The big question here is, what the hell does it will also address the companion mechanic mean? Are we just getting rid of the companion mechanic? Are we... Does, I, I have a sub, sub, more sub questions. Like, does, this isn't the same sentence. This is a one sentence announcement. Yeah. Does this mean that the companion mechanic will be addressed in standard or historic? Does this mean that the companion mechanic will be addressed, period, in all of magic? My strong prediction is that they are going to be changing how the companion mechanic... I believe they're going to be eroding companion as a whole. I I would say that that is probably what's happening here. think that's a good thing to do because when i read this announcement you know 10 minutes ago or whatever it was uh i I read the standard historic companion mechanic and i thought right what about modern and pioneer (laughs) we can't just leave those formats (laughs) like modern's in a fine place but companions suck companions do suck and they kind of have to go and it's just not right to have hero powers in magic or whatever comparison you want to make and they just have warped formats around them completely in ways that are it's different from having very powerful cards it's different from having uro in the format because you have it every time and you can change your whole deck to accommodate having them every time because there's not going to be any games where you just don't draw it and it's just not Like, that variance of, I don't know if I'm going to draw this stuff or what order I'm going to draw it in, like, that's part of the heart and soul of Magic, and it has done a disservice to the game to have companions work the way that they do. So I don't know how they're going to change it, but uh, 
I, I assume it's going to be in a way that significantly powers down and powers down companions and makes it not about them the way that it has been for the past couple of months. Ever since the Corvette was released, yeah. And I, I don't agree with the statement that hero powers can't exist in magic. Like, if they want to try stuff and some of it's good and it just becomes part of the game, like, sure. But this was not it. Like, this is clearly not the one. I just think that magic has too many pieces and the thing that mostly keeps it in check is that you just don't know which pieces you get together at any given time and it takes work to assemble the pieces that you want to have. And anything that guarantees that you have a piece is a recipe for disaster. Is that perhaps why Ponder and Preordain are banned in Modern? Right, you can't ban Ponder and Preordain in Modern and then give you combo pieces or value engines that you just always have access to. Like, that. none of that, that's not a cohesive philosophy. <laughs> well, yeah. But hopefully, you know, come Monday, y'all, Collins and you were talking about how great the companion mechanic is now that they've changed it to just be less dramatically impactful across all formats of magic yeah i mean what is like is it you gotta trade a card for the companion to put it in your hand or something like what is enough to to offset that because because even that like while that would lower they would reduce the this is your eighth card part of the mechanic it doesn't get rid of the you always have access to this part of the mechanic it makes like mulliganing and stuff less you know less easy like mulliganing kind of doesn't matter right now because you have the extra card you're just guaranteeing you have the mana and the pieces and stuff and if it costs you a card to get the companion then okay then there is a real cost there but it's still like the luris decks are always going to have luris said this briefly in the discord but i believe the core tenet of the mechanic is that you always have access to it yeah i think that's just the design philosophy behind it so if they do anything at all that impacts the amount of access you have to the card, mm-hmm. I would be shocked. Yeah. I think it's just going to gate what you have to give up in order to get the card. Yeah. Whether that's be, you know, skip a draw step, discard a card, discard two cards, do stuff. Who knows? I don't actually know what'll happen. There's a lot of stuff they could do, and I doubt, honestly doubt they've tested any fix they're going to do that much. Just because, you know, they're working from home, it's probably harder to test, and this mechanic's been out for, like, a couple months and they don't move that fast yeah that feels likely to me that they just add a cost to make this not as free when when you've enabled the companions but i am afraid that a moderate cost doesn't do enough to like offset the power level I mean, we'll see. Like, certainly, like, there is a level of cost that makes it so it's like, okay, yeah, you can play a Luris deck, but you don't have to. There's an amount of cost that, that changes the, the the balance there. My optimal approach to this is that Wizards on Monday just goes, okay, we have the companion mechanic. It's extremely, you know, widespread. Mm-hmm. It's huge. Everyone's playing companions or they're losing or, you know, doing something weird. Yeah. So you just can't companion in constructed sanctioned magic. That's the thing that I was also just thinking of. I honestly, that's probably my ideal solution. Is this is a casual mechanic? It's like cards that reference the command zone. It just doesn't work in in actual form in constructed competitive formats. 
that yeah you can throw them in your deck like you can throw those command towers in your legacy deck but they don't do anything more than what the cards right you can't just like throw them in your sideboard and put them into play right right it's like putting like the you know a partner commander into your deck or something like that there's just meaningless text that doesn't work in that format yuriko yes just That's just put your ninjutsu. thumb over commander on her ninjutsu ability and you're you're good that's honestly i think that's what i'm hoping for is just the companion mechanic doesn't work in constructed and we don't have to really worry about did we not correct enough for this like it, they're just gone and we we had some amount of fun with it we had some drama with it and this will be a chapter in magic's history and yeah i i, I hope that that's what happens we'll, we'll see you know if i so i'm hoping that's the change it just seems like the most reasonable change to me Mm-hmm. because then you can unban Luris from Vintage and Legacy and all right. that stuff. People can play those cards if they want to. And then t- you're not, like, changing the text on the card either. Yeah, the cards don't actually say you can play them from outside the game. They just say you can make this card your companion if you've met the requirement, I believe, is what the card says. Right, and making a change that's like, discard a card to put this into your hand or whatever, like, that's changing how the mechanic works in a way that's just not at all reflected on the card and would definitely be like that's why they don't errata magic cards it, like it just doesn't happen so and i think a cool thing that comes out of this is i would really like to play garuda in just a normal deck because it's a it's like a pretty good value card like six mana six six that's sure. relatively easy to cast and you can you know throw another creature into play that's like a, almost a titan yeah right right but yeah, you're you're kind of locked into playing this like hyper linear companion combo deck with it. Yeah, because there's if you're all just gonna have Garuda in your deck, you might as well always have it. You know, right, there's no reason right. to play two of them in your like mid rangey blue and or black deck. Sure. Well, we will see. I mean, there's probably no reason to continue like wild baseless speculation, but who baby, what a what an announcement here. Good thing we caught it just in the nick of time. I was able to stop you from playing Monster Train. Now I'm going to go back and play more Monster Train. Alright, well that's probably enough for this episode. I mean, I guess. We still have some time to talk about Commander, right? We do not have time to talk about Commander. Oh, okay, okay. We, sh- we, we already mentioned it in small ways earlier, anyways. <laughs> but in a complainy way, complaining about the spoilers. All right. Well, thanks everybody for joining us. We really, really appreciate you tuning in. If you'd like to lend us some support, head over to patreon.com slash mtggrindcast or mtggrindcast.com where we've got all of the old episodes and links to the Patreon as well. If you want to find us on social media, I'm tweeting from at CCR underscore grindcast. The podcast is at MTG underscore grindcast. Lee is also on Twitter. I'm at Lee McLeo. Lee, thank you so much for joining me today. Really appreciate your help. Yeah, of course. I won't be here next week. Collins is retaking his spot. Yes, he will be back, I promise. But, but I will be on coverage, it sounds like. Yes, so for the come tournament. tune in to the Lotus Box League Legacy Tournament this weekend, uh, Sunday, May 31st. And we will be live on twitch.tv slash Team Lotus Box. Lee will be joining us in the booth, so we're pretty excited to have you back. Yeah, I'm really excited to do it yeah it's it's gonna be awesome thanks everybody so much for joining us and have a great week bye